Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I'm your host, Donna Bishop. Hi, and thanks so much for joining me today on Fashion Talks. I am super excited for this conversation. It is ideal to start off a new year. It is with business and mindset coach, Yossi Fisher. And we had a fascinating conversation. Uh, We talk about how fashion does not necessarily equal clothing. His expertise is going to resonate with you if you are a designer or a founder or think you might want to be an entrepreneur. There are so many gems and pearls of wisdom to ponder. We end up having this awesome discussion about brand as religion, as an analogy for how our relationships with brands have changed. And of course, being a brand strategist, I couldn't resist asking him what some of his words of wisdom and inspiration are as we kick off a new year. So who is Yossi Fisher? Uh, Yossi takes a unique holistic approach to building powerful brands, businesses, and mindsets, which is such a cool thing that we talk about, that relationship between professional and personal development. His holistic methods optimize frameworks, maximize strategies, and generate the real-time roadmaps needed to help clients achieve their ultimate visions. Yossi has previously consulted for Wimbledon Tennis, led clients to features on Hyperbeast and WGSN, conducted business talks and branding masterclasses and accelerators with Lone Design Club, collaborated with major platforms like Refinery29, and sits on several boards of mentors, including TFI, the fashion incubator in Toronto, and that just scratches the surface, to be sure. He has tons of international experience, having worked across major markets like LA, London, Berlin, Milan, and Toronto, all with a mission to empower brands and change lives. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation. Yossi, thank you so much for joining me today on Fashion Talks. I'm thrilled for you to be here. Absolute pleasure for me as well. Okay, so there is so much that I want us to talk about, and we are having this conversation literally mere days, days into the beginning of the new year, 2022. Um, I want to start by kind of jumping right in with how you work as a strategist and whatnot. Can you give just a little bit of context for people about what is what is the kind of work you do and and how we find ourselves in this conversation today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, I really, really appreciate you inviting me on here. I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, So I'm a brand consultant and a mindset strategist. I think that as an entrepreneur building any kind of business, mindset goes hand in hand at any level, right? To take a business to 100,000 versus a million versus 100 million versus you really have to level up and really kind of get in tune with that. So I'm a holistic brand consultant. And essentially what that means is I don't look at the sum of a company's parts. I look at the entire thing and how how integrated everything is and how everything works in sync, right? Because when you're building business, when you're building brand especially, everything needs to connect. So I make sure that I eliminate the black holes so that way when you start building and scaling, you don't run into situations that you didn't think about before. And that goes from everything. It's like branding, marketing, advertising, um, also design, right? Like merchandising isn't just an external type of expression. It's also internal in your process. Um, we go through really everything that has to do with building a business and brand fundamentally creates the, well, creates a foundation there. Um, and then it's about the customer journey and touch points from there. 
Okay, there's so much I want to dig into with that. But before we do that, I just want to make a personal pivot for a moment because something I like to, to ask everyone is, you know, I think those of us who, you know, whether we work in fashion or just happen to love this thing called fashion, there's a moment when we understand that clothing is something that is more than just covering our body for protection from the elements. Do you have a moment where you realize that this thing called fashion, call it style, call it dressing, call it clothing, could harness something more than just protection for our physical person? Yeah, I mean, you know what? When I was growing up, my mom always had a really great sense of style and she wasn't into like big brand names or anything. She just wasn't her vibe. But it was that like self-expression that when we would, you know, she'd have company over and everybody would be like, oh my God, like it looks so nice and it looks so... And it was kind of this, as a young kid, I was like, wow, like my mom's really expressing herself right now and she's really kind of making a statement. And every time she would go out, based on where she would go, she would dress differently. And I think that that self-expression really kind of hit with me. And, uh, you know, kind of growing up, for me, fashion, actually, funny enough, wasn't about the clothing. It was about everything else. It was about the expression. It was about identity. It was about the business and about how, you know, back in the day, the way the industry navigated was really different. And so I was more intrigued by the social conversations and by how it affected global issues. And, you know, it just, I just happen to have a sense of style. Thanks to my mom. I'll give her credit for the genes. But Props to the moms who get referenced a lot in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Like, I mean, and so, and so I think that that's really what also inspired my journey in a sense, because it's not about fashion's not about clothing. It really, really isn't like it's the product but ultimately, there's so many more layers there and there's so much more importance to the industry than that we're obviously paying attention to now with the conversations happening. It's a lot more. And I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it. But um, yeah, that's kind of my take on, you know, how I see fashion. So there's all these other things that are kind of like satellites around the clothing that you see as more of the the things that were part of fashion that interests you more than the actual like tangible item itself. Right. And I mean, that's a big conversation about brand, right? I mean, that's why I really stepped into being a brand consultant, you know, about four or five years ago now, because it is more, right? I mean, look at culture, look at values, look at sustainability, look at transparency, like, look at what people really care about. Like, there's so much clothing out there these days that it's kind of almost secondary to why people purchase it and why people really kind of, you know, own that in the first place. And is that a conversation that you have with your brand at all, with your clients, pardon me, is, you know, when we live in a world where overconsumption is such an issue, that the focus really isn't on the commodity, it has to be on the other things. Is that something that your clients are already attuned to? Or are you bringing that to them in a way that is quite eye opening for them? I think it really depends on the client. I think that some are already very attuned to that and they understand the process that it takes to build. Um, and some aren't. Like there's a lot of misconceptions in the industry and it's not the most apparent and obvious, right? Like brand, the development of that and really kind of the responsibility there is kind of second to a lot of what people think, which is the product, especially a lot of designers start a lot of brands. I mean, unless you're a massive company that's got tons of seed rounds and you've got this big organizational type structure around you, a lot of brands are started are, are start with designers first. And designers are designers. And so they just think, I need to design product and get it out there. But there's so much more. And I think that you know something I, I really try to emphasize for designers in, in, in the industry right now is that you have to be more than a product, like in terms of the process that you take, you have to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a creative director, 
you don't have to be able to do every single thing on your own as you scale, but you need to understand how it all plays. Because if all you're doing is pushing product, then what I find is when sales aren't going so well or things aren't going according to plan, they just think they just need to be doing what they do best is and designing more clothing. And that's where a lot of designers get caught up and, and what I really help them from the beginning because the whole brand structure, it actually inspires everything else, right? Like I've had designers come to me with all this stuff. Like they want to get everything prepared before they talk to me. They have their samples and everything going. And then they come to me and we're, we look at it and after the process, they realize like none of it connects. Like the designs don't connect. The, the, the way that they structure doesn't connect. Their message doesn't like, and they have to start from scratch because- I- yeah. I want to hold you there for a sec, because can you talk a little bit more about how you observe it when you say it doesn't connect? Like, is it a literal, is it like, how do you, how do you notice it not connecting? Do you know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, I guess there's certain things that we're all really, really good at. And because I've been in this industry for so long, and I've actually like performed at some very high, very high, fairly high levels in this industry across the board. I understand the levels that it takes to be a great designer, to be a great manufacturer, to be great at brand marketing, advertising, like, you know, to be great styling and and creative direction. And, you know, I really kind of see it as a whole. And so when I go into these conversations, it's pretty apparent to me because I go in asking questions, right? I don't go in being like, do this and follow me and trust me. It's like, I ask so many questions to understand where their mindset's at. I go through all of their stuff, whatever they have, you know, whether it is designs, whether it's hang tags, whether it's the content they're already producing because they're already, you know, kind of on a roll. Like, you know, not everyone comes to me from the very beginning. So I do development, but I also do strengthening. And so I think that just understanding that and seeing like, okay, well, I get these styles and designs, but you don't have a cohesive message across the board. And it's obvious because your designs are so scattered. They're all great. But then you start getting into, you know, like whether you're sustainable or not, like I don't, you know, and getting into that conversation and then, you know, where you're posturing and where you're not and, you know, looking at how you're releasing your content and who you're talking with and what kind of stuff you're designing. It's a bigger conversation, like in terms of how I notice these things, but it starts with asking a lot of questions. And I mean, I can just imagine being a client sitting down with you for the first time, like I'm practically in the fetal position already, because that's so much to consider. Like... I, it sounds like the the relationship between consumer, client, person, human, and brand has evolved and shifted and changed so much over the past, what would you say, 5, 10, 20 more years? I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's an ongoing evolution for sure. And that the expectation of what a brand represents, promises, how the brand behaves there's a huge expectation on the part of the the clients and consumers. That's a lot of pressure, if not executed authentically. Yeah. I mean, definitely if you don't execute authentically and you kind of just like, you know, stitch everything together as you go, then it's going to create a lot of anxiety because you're going to be problem solving a lot more than you really need to. And you're going to try to be struggling to figure that out. Now, it's interesting because when I work with brands and it's not even just fashion brands, we're talking about brands as products, right? Like, you know, a really great example I give is, you know, picture an outside barbecue, like an outside party. And you've got all, you know, all these people that are hanging out and drinking and barbecuing and eating and doing whatever. And the brand could be the fertilizer. It could be the whiskey. It could be the hair product. Like it could be the clothing. It could be really anything. And so what I do in my process, the holistic perspective that I take is a stacking process. 
I don't look at things individually or just take things out of context and start here, here, and here, and here. I'm like, okay, this is where we start. And then we stack and we make sure that everything stacks together. And when it doesn't, we refine, right? And brands change and evolve too. It's not like you're going to do that and it's going to be great. But when you have a roadmap that you can follow and you can use that as a guide for your employees, for internal, whatever it is, now you're building and you're scaling in a really authentic way where when you expand, everything's always connecting. You don't have to get into, you know, these, you know, like there's so many brands that got caught in the sustainability movement. A lot of greenwashing is happening because a lot of brands had to pivot because they said that they were, but they weren't really, but now transparency and they're like, oh, uh, and so people are getting caught, you know, and sustainability is just one example. I mean, there's ethics as well in, in your supply chain and there's a lot of stuff there, but there's no hiding. And so I promote my brands, you know, like to be transparent. And just from the get-go, like, let's look at all the things that might happen and let's smooth those out before they even occur. And is transparency as you, you know, as you define it, is it literally like put everything out there as a brand or how do you finesse what transparency is for brands right now? I think it's about being ready when it's time to talk about it. So I don't think you need to like put everything out there and let everybody know everything at first, right? You know, I think that it's a matter of just understanding your space, knowing where everything fits, being able to authentically talk about it. So that when something does come up, you can very honestly be like, yeah, for sure. Like, this is what we do. And this is how it's done. And this is our process. And, you know, whatever the conversation, you know, whatever conversation ensues. But I think it's just about being prepared more than just like being all out there just to prove that you're something. And when you're talking about the stacking of things, is there a common foundation? Like, is there a, what every brand needs to start with is this and, and stack from there? How do you, how do you, how do you work that process? Right. So it's a process that I've developed. So my, my holistic method is very much unique to how I process the industry over the last 20 years and leveling a brand. But ultimately for me, it starts with mastering the basics of what brand even is, like defining what brand is, defining what value is, understanding the levels of trust and accountability and honesty and integrity and, you know, really understanding what those terms mean in terms of how it applies to the business, like everyone specific. And then from there, I go to, you know, designing your your customer, you know, not trying to find what niche and not trying to chase and not trying, it's like really designing your customer, Right. And then taking that to brand soul, right? And then from brand soul, you go to total brand offering. And total brand offering isn't just products. It's it's people, it's environment. It's everything that has to do with what you're offering, right? Every touch point that somebody engages with your brand, you're offering them something. It's a product. It's an experience. It's an emotion. <clears throat> Sorry. Whether it's uh, you know when they buy or when they go to your event or when they consume your content or when they're navigating your website, like that's your total brand offering, right? And product is obviously in play there as well, right? And then we go from there and we go into everything else that it takes to really kind of build up and scale, right? And I think you go to engagement and you figure out, okay, so now how do we engage and how do we build these conversations and, you know, kind of go from there and then you have a full brand operating system, right? Has the pandemic really forced you as well to work with your brands in terms of how to like how do you offer something when we're shopping differently how do you consume content like has the pandemic impacted how you are having those conversations and what's been one of the biggest kind of shifts cuz the reason i ask is you know you talked a lot there about culture and people and 
you know, talent retention is something that I think hasn't been a big part of the conversation of late. But when it comes to, you know, businesses and brands having to pivot and scale and do things differently, that's becoming a real important conversation that I think a lot of brand leaders have been like, oh God, like how do I keep how do I keep my people engaged and and happy and fulfilled and and with me? Right, right. And that's what it comes down to, right? Like part of the process that I spoke about is designing your customer. So it's actually knowing all that stuff beforehand. So you actually can go back and be like, okay, like this is what they care about. This is where they're living. This is what they're doing. This is how they're buying. This is the type of lifestyle they have. This is what's important to them. Like, you know, really designing that structure is important because listen, business is innovation, right? Like business is evolving. Like that's the whole point. Like that's how you survive. And, you know, there's so many conversations I hear like, oh, you know, I'm too old and, you know, all the young people and it's a cop out. It's just a cop out for people not, not actually evolving and building and growing. There's, you know, like I know 60 year olds that are dominating the social space. And I know 25 year olds that don't even care about it. And they couldn't even talk to you about what platforms are doing. Like, so I think that once you figure out kind of what your goals are, what your ambitions are, you have to really lean into them. Like business is hard. It's great. And it's challenging. And it's inspiring. And you can do incredible things and make a lot of money. And you can, you know, really drive the social conversation. Like, I mean, whatever your, you know, whatever your apex is. But I think that it's really just about knowing those things like, you know, e-commerce changed the whole game, right? And, you know, even more so the last few years, but it's always been there. But everyone's like, oh, it's kind of like a nice to have. And all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, it's not a nice to have, it's a must. And it's the same thing with brand. Brand wasn't so important five, 10 years ago. Brand was product and logos for a little while, right? Like that's essential people define that as. But brand now is your reputation, right? It's not what you do, it's who you are. It's how you make people feel. It's how they leave every experience that you give them, right? And so I think that it's just about that. And in terms of the um, pandemic, it just kind of exposed a lot of downfalls in businesses that they weren't looking at. And, you know, I don't think that you have to do everything and be everywhere. But if you know your customer and you know your community, then you know what platforms you should focus on and you know what they're expecting from you and you know what spaces you can play in and where you have permission to expand and evolve, right? Like, and it's such a personal thing. Like Instagram's not good for everybody. Yeah. It's not like, I don't, you know, everyone's like, you know, cause a lot of people associate me with a lot of social media stuff because I'm, I'm pretty vocal across the board, but it's, it's very different for a lot of people. Like maybe LinkedIn's the better platform for you, right? Maybe Telegram and building your own private community with zero um, um, uh, static in between is the way to go. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't assume these things, right? So when I talk to people and they're like, oh, I don't like it. I'm like, okay, well, let's take a look at where your clients and your customers are, right? Like, you're, don't, don't, don't make decisions based on a focus group of one, right? Like, really take a look at where your success metrics are and, and where, you know, where the potential for growth is. And it sounds like that's really the bedrock of your process is let's figure out, let's figure out your base. Let's figure out who your, who your clients are, where do they live? What do they do? And it's almost like brand evolves from there in many ways. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, right, once you get down to the basic fundamentals of what brand is, well, then you start building into, you, you know, like I said, the, designing your customer is designing your customer based on your brand fundamentals, right? So because, how do you define brand, Yasi? What are your brand fund fundamentals? Like for people who are like, what is he talking about? What are your like, these are the satellites of brand? 
Well, I mean, so yeah, you want to look at trust, you want to look at accountability, you want to look at transparency, you want to look at your values, you want to look at your culture, right? Like you want to look at how you see the world, you want to look at your tone of voice and how you're communicating. Like, there's a lot of levels there, not complicated, they're laid out, not just for the sake of saving some time here, I don't want to go through every single, you know. No, no, absolutely. No, just top line. But But yeah, we're just gonna go top line here. Like, there's a lot of levels of understanding what the core is, like, what are you doing? What are you about? What are you trying to achieve? Who are you trying to attract? What kind of business do you want to build? Like, what are your values? What are your, like, what is your culture? And then, so once you kind of understand all of that, you can design your customer based on that, right? Like I, I, I provide something essentially, it's just like a customer profile. And when I work with my clients, I literally, I list it all out. And I'm like, okay, answer this as if it was one person, right? Get a random photo from the internet if you need to actually make it real. Write down that one person's name what they make, how they go on vacation, what they drive, you know, like lay it out like it's an actual real person, not like a number in some random like or follow on socials. And so before you sell a thousand pieces of something, you got to find that one that just loves it. So once you figure out that one person, well, you can multiply that and create, you know, your power base, right? Your your power base is pretty much your top 20%. It's the people that are going to be your best social media, you know, like, People are going to be sharing all your stuff everywhere. They're going to be liking and commenting. They're your best um, marketing and advertising, your best PR. They will die hard for you. And, you know, focusing on that and building and scaling it in a way where that one person, like, is a lot of people. But you need to understand the one person because if you don't, then you don't really understand your brand. Then you're just kind of appeasing everybody for what they care about. And you're just kind of flagrant, you know, you're just kind of like all over the map. So, you know, I think that a customer you know, customer design is a part of the brand process, but the brand process doesn't lead to customer. There's a lot more to building business in these days than making sales. And as you're describing this, I can't help but think like, you know, it doesn't sound like a brand. It sounds like a community or a club or, or a religion even almost, which I know is something you and I touched on a little bit when we spoke, when we spoke earlier is, is that, kind of the that sense of community is that more of the of the point of view that that you think is so important well i mean like i said i think that it really comes down to the type of brand and the consumer and what people care about right um look at your age group and your demographics and things but like we were talking about before exactly like i believe that brand is this generation's religion i think that i think that religion in general is filled with a lot of dogmas um, that people don't subscribe to anymore. I think it alienates a lot more people than it does attract. I think that it confines people into being a specific way based on, you know, however you want to view religion. I'm not telling people they should or should not follow religion. But when we're looking at brands, it's like it gives people the opportunity to lean into their values and into their core. And these brands become so much more dynamic now because you have influencers and collaborations and you have different brand expressions across physical and digital and the great thing about all these touch points is that it allows brands to express themselves in different ways. And so it allows people to understand more about what that brand's about, what they believe in, what they value. And so having these bigger, more expansive conversations as brands allows you to really, as a consumer, lean in to the religions of that brand or of those types of brands in that area. And it allows you to connect more with who you are as opposed to who people are telling you you need to be. And I love this analogy. I've thought about it a lot, actually, because it got me thinking like, okay, so 
as our retail spaces become more experiential, showroomy, museum-y, like, are they the church? Like, what are the rights? You know, are, are, who are the, you know, saints and, and people who, you know, not, not to lean into just Christian, but, you know, it got me thinking that there is such a cool analogy to be made there about what the current evolution of how we interact with brands are because we have so many more touch points. It's not just going in to buy the thing. We interact with them in so many other ways in the world. Absolutely. Right. And I mean, you know, like, yeah, I totally, totally agree with you. I think that that's a very, very great and healthy way to look at it, you know, and like, listen, touch points go right. Like now we're getting our, our clothing delivered more than ever. Right. That's a touch point. Like, you know, what's the process of getting the delivery sent over? What does the, what packaging are you using? How does it feel when I open it up? Like, is it crumpled? Is it defined? Is it too much packaging? Like, is this not a sustainable way to do it? Like, these are all touch points in all places. And like I said, when, when you deal in a form of a a very methodical, pragmatic way of building, I think that when people think of brand and all these esoterical, you know, emotional spaces, like, yeah, you can go on forever, but there's fundamental ways to actually build and stack and look at these things and build them progressively in a very, like, you know, a very um, uh, deliberate way where it does, you know, it does take out all the confusion and all the anxiety and all the like, oh my God, the overwhelm, because you're not just doing everything at once. You're starting from a core and you're building and you're stacking, like we were saying, and you're layering it. So now it makes sense. So now that when you go in to your touch points, you know your brand values and you understand what you're going to represent in each one of those points. You understand what your customer wants. You're going to understand how to engage with them, not even just to make the sale, but after and mailing lists. And it's a really, listen, it's building business, right? Like if you're building a tech company, there's a way to do it. And I think that when you're building brand, um, regardless what the product is, um, I think that that's a, a really important process that, that is, you know, I mean, in, in this day and age, you know, if all you're doing, like if you go on Instagram and all you see is this random, you know, account selling you some clothing on a white wall, you're like, I don't care what it looks like. I'm not interested. There's nothing here for me. You're just trying to sell me. Mm-hmm. And that's the most obvious way that I can define how, you know, important brand and, and, and community, you know, really is. Um, What's the other side of the pendulum? If you're just trying to sell me is like the 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 thing that is absolutely the most ineffective what's the what's the flip side of that is it you want to engage with me you want to respect me you want to listen to me what's the opposite of don't just try to sell me something i want you to absolutely it's d- deliver value provide me with value right so listen i i need, I need to always kind of like you know clarify this selling is important right you're building business there are there are lights have to stay on like there's structures that you need to be able to build your sales team or your sales strategies or like sales are important there's no question about that but what customers want right like that's what you want right you want sales right but what the customer wants what the community wants is value right they want value in how you make them feel they want value in how you're representing them when they're wearing it, right? So their own personal, um, you know, um, just, yeah, just their own idea of themselves, right? So like, I want to know that, you know, if you're selling, se- sending me a mail, like let's say I'm subscribed to your mailing list and every single time you send me something, it's a sale, like, okay, but what if you send me a lot of value on top of that? So like, for example, I'll use my mailer as an example just to whatever. So what I do is like when you sign on to my mailing list, I provide 
the like stories that are happening in in uh, in the industry that you want to know about. I provide also platform updates so people can take a look and see what platforms are doing to innovate. So you can work on your strategies. You know what's going on in the industry that really matters. And then I also have a sell at the bottom, right? Like empower your brand, right? Make your brand the best it can be in 2022. Like whatever it is, it's still there. Like the sell's still there. But people now associate me with a lot more things because when they open up the email, it's not about me selling. And listen, sometimes I do. If I'm promoting a new package or if something else is happening or I'm doing a giveaway, like whatever, I will put it out there. But kind of on a 70-30 flip. So, you know, 70% of my content and 70% of what I do is is just driving value because they care about themselves. They want to know what's going on in the industry. They want to perfect their strategies more. Like, And then when they're interested, they'll sell but it gets them opening it up. And I think that the important thing is just, you know, being so empathetic and being like, you know, I've seen so many brands that are like, oh yeah, you know, Instagram's all selling. And I see them flipping through their their phones and just scrolling past all the sell. But then when it's their stuff, they're like, oh no, no, no. But people are going to want my stuff. And then they do all the strategies that they don't even like because their mentality is it just kind of in the wrong place, right? Their intentions are good, but their execution is is is, is skewed. And is that where the mindset part of your of your gifts come in? Like, is that talk a little bit about where your you, you know your holisticness includes a mindset piece? How does that fit into this entire conversation? Yeah, totally. So, in terms of mindset, it really kind of comes down to the ability to use every situation to your advantage, right? Like before you get into it, while it's happening, and post. And so. The mindset thing comes into a lot. It comes into having the mindset to be empathetic and understanding what that even means and approaching your clients, your customers, whatever you're doing in a very empathetic way is being mindful of your tone of voice and the platforms that you're on and things like that in terms of like how people are talking on those platforms and where the best place is and how you're doing there. But then it's also really about building your business and understanding how to best create your schedule and what you need, you know, like what else is happening in your life that is affecting that. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not here to like help people's families and relationships. But when it comes to affecting the CEO or the founder or the designer or whoever it is, it's about looking at their life and being like, okay, like, let's work this through. Like, let's make this the best it can be for you. Or if they're going into a big meeting, right? Like, let's prepare them for that, right? Like, let's look at all outcomes. And really, from a perspective of You know what I mean? Like I've been in a lot of rooms and I'm able to kind of navigate that a little bit. So it's also about preparing. It's about how you're going to build your business and being in a really healthy space um, to do it. So mindset, I mean, it comes across in everything, right? It comes across in your business and your relationships and everything, right? And I think that um, empathy is a big thing. Compassion is a big thing. um, But, you know, also just being honest with yourself um, and and just knowing um, your strengths and, and what you need to, you know, need to work on. Now we're having this conversation at the beginning of a new year and you've got a, you know, a roster of, of clients that you're working with. We're continuing to watch the world. I mean, we live in evolution no matter what, but it just feels like the past 18 months have worked at a rapid pace of shift and change. What are you excited about in 2022? What do you think your clients, like, what would you say to your clients? Like, this is something to pay really close attention to in 2022. What are you looking at on the horizon for this upcoming 12 months? Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I would tell every brand uh, to really understand their brand. 
Um, it's going to be the driving force of everything you do and everything you aspire to do. And we'll also focus your intentions on what you need to know, what you don't need to know. I don't think everyone needs to know everything, but I need to understand, I need, you need to understand your space and how that plays. Um, I think the digital space is really interesting. I think people get very romantic with how it used to be or what they can't do or how they wish it was. And honestly, that's not how business works. You can do the best that you can within the space if you're a designer, if you're a brand and you have something to be giving and you want to contribute and function, well, then you need to figure out the best ways to do that. And so I think the digital space is massive. I think looking at um, NFTs um, in that space and a lot of people look at NFTs as like, oh, well, you know, it's like some digital art and like this is going for millions of dollars and this is going to be... Or it's not. <laughs> like, or it's not, right? Um, but I think that like when you look at NFTs and, and the smart contracts um, is something a lot of people should really look into because there's a lot of real life utility um, embedded inside of those digital assets. And so, you know, things like that, looking at the metaverse, understanding where your place is, whether you want to play it in or not, right? Spend a half an hour a day for a couple of weeks, you know, really just understand the space, get inspired by it because it's not all digital or physical, it's that integration of them both. And there's places where you can play and whether you, you know, whether you like it or not, it's a billion dollar industry as it stands right now. And there's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of money to be lost, but it's just about understanding what that is. Right. And then the rest comes down to, you know, to what brand is, what the budgets are. Um, but I think the digital space is really interesting to look at. Um, and I think, like I said, you know, when, when you start looking at brand and you start building that, you start designing products in a different way. You start using your space in a different way, you know, just like you said, right? A lot of these retail spaces are becoming more experiences. And I think that it's really about that, right? Like look at your 70-30 value versus selling and figure out how you can drive 70% value to everybody on, on every one of your touch points. But then make that 30% work like 100%. Like that 30% of selling, make sure it's incredible. Like don't deny it. Don't not think so much about it. But like just really be mindful um, of how you're looking at 2022. And like I said, like avoid being a focus group of one, right? It's a big industry with people all over the place and all over the world. Um, you know, definitely look at your e-commerce and, and tighten that up a little bit. Uh, look what you can personalize as well. Um, you know, and like I said, be mindful of what you can do while you're looking towards where you hope to be. How do you suggest people avoid being a focus group of one? Like, I think it's really easy for all of us to get drunk on our own rightness and our own perspective without having a, you know, official focus group of like 30 people, blah, blah, blah. How do you suggest people make sure they're not just preaching to the choir? Right. So, I mean, when I say focus groups, I don't mean like get a focus group of people. Exactly. Um, I just think that you need to just like as a business, you have a responsibility to the market. And part of that responsibility is listening to it and paying attention to it and actually seeing where things are going. Like if you don't want to change, you don't want to learn and you don't care where things are going. Well, if your business goes to a demise, then that's on you. Right. So look around, like, you know, get some information from your customers. You can send them, um, you know, like, uh, um, you can send them, uh, you know, questionnaires and, you know, little things where they can get something in return for some information. You can look at your CRMs, you know, subscribe to places that are giving you the information that you need. Like, look at what's really going on in the market. Right. And like, I think that that's how you can do it. It's like, well, I don't like it. 
but let's look at other people in my space and let's see what they're doing and let's see what these, you know, where are my consumers, right? Like there's a lot of places where you can go on socials where you can see what other people are liking. I can't help but think as you're talking that there's such a unspoken theme of patience, like slow down to go fast. Like you have to, there is a methodicness to what you're saying that requires real discipline. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so funny. I mean, I come from an age, so when I started my first business at 19, right? So not so long ago, like even in, in, in 2000, you know, building a business wasn't just online and socials. And I think that we get this this instant gratification to social that everyone talks about. And it's kind of spilled over to everything else. Like when I was coming up, three to five years to even like see if you even have a business or not. And yeah. now everybody's like, oh, oh, this week or oh, this piece of content or oh, this collection. And you know, I see a lot of a lot of uh, you know designers get really caught. The first season is the easiest to feel the best about, and the easiest to destroy your business. So, what I mean by that is like your first collection, your first release, it takes three years to put that together. It's nice, it's easy. You're doing it in your time. It's perfect. It's polished. It's refined. And they put everything into it. They they create a, a content strategy, which is such an old school mentality of having a campaign that they put all their money in and beautiful photos and some cool imagery. And they put everything into this season and then it doesn't sell because not many people know about them yet or just did it. And then they're out of business and then they blame everybody. And it's like, you, you know, when I work with my clients, we work on like an 18 month out strategy, right? Like we build strong and we build to last. And I think that being able to, be patient. Like if this is what you want to do for your whole life, like then just keep going. And, and listen, people's patience levels or what patience means is very, very different, right? Like some people's patience means that they need to keep on getting investments and fund, you know, and funding. And, and that takes a long time. I know people that have spent two, three, four years looking for investment and that's patience. Some other people's patience is, well, you got to get a job in the meantime, because you know, you need this to build and grow. You don't want to go bankrupt after not having enough time. Other people's patience is understanding their budgets and what they're investing and be able to create a long-term strategy where they're not getting knocked down every single time with like a punch is thrown. It's, it, it's business. It, it's, it's, you have to expect it. So I think that patience is a massive thing. Um, and I think that everyone needs to utilize it differently. But I think that, uh, you know, I, I, you know you, there's that quote where it's like, you know, most people overestimate what they can do in a week and underestimate what they can do in a year. And I think that when you really look at it, you go, whoa, you know what? Like my ego wants us today, but the responsible business owner and, you know, needs to look at, you know, your, your projections moving forward. I always liken it to driving a car is when you run a business, if like ever, the, the exciting part is the horizon and watching where you're going. But if you only keep your eyes there and you're not watching your dashboard, your oil's going to burn out, you're going to run out of gas. But if you're only staring at your dashboard, trying to make sure that you know exactly when that oil light goes on, you're going to careen off the road because you're not looking where you're going. And there's such an, imp I hear you talking about that balance. Like there is... And that balance, I think, might include more and more and more things for people starting a business now. But that's part that's part of the that's part of what you signed up for as yeah, a brand leader. Absolutely. Right. Uh, listen, it's a great point. I'm happy we're talking about it because patience is fundamental. Listen, you know, I, what can I say? Like, I say this fairly often. I think I think it brings a lot of context where it's like, you know, I've been in this industry for a really long time. And I've seen people in this industry that have been around for four years that haven't seen five. 
And I've been around and I've seen people that have been around for 15 years and haven't seen 16, right? Like I've been in this industry for over 20 years, but I'm trying to see 40, right? Like, and I've been, I've been playing this game and I've been evolving and adjusting and learning and growing. And I've been able to do what I've done in my time because of that patience and because of a very pragmatic strategy to get me to where I'm at. Now, you can't plan everything. Things change and things come up, but you know, you have to be resilient enough and you have to be, you know, um, you know, strategic enough to, you know, take those hits and go, but like your strategy should be for long-term. Now, listen, if you saw your first season and things flourish for you, I'm all about that. Like, I'm not saying things don't happen, but I'm saying that like, you really have to look at what you're, um, you know, where you're trying to go uh, and how you're trying to get there. Where do you look for inspiration? Like, where do you practice your own advice in terms of like, I read here, I seek information there. I want to know what's happening here. What fills your tank? Where do you go for that? Oh yeah, that's a loaded question because that's all, that's what I do, right? Like, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, people look at, at, at work as output and I look at work as making progress. And so I always change the word work from, you know, into the term making progress. And so I'm always progressing with myself. Um, I'm watching YouTube videos and seminars. I'm a big fan of Jim Rohn. Uh, big fan of Les Brown, a lot of these type of people, Tom Bilyeu. Um, and so I'm constantly learning about the mind and personal development. You know, I find that personal development, you know, like business success doesn't stray so far away from personal development. And I think that once you get into that mindset of that, you know, you look at the, you know, you look at things different ways. So um, one big way uh, in terms of like where I get my inspiration is this one term and it's who do you listen to? And I think that it's very easy in this day and age that everybody's talking, everyone's a guru, everyone's a mindset, everybody's spiritual, everybody's a business owner. Every, and it gets really, really frustrating. And like, you know, when you look at brand, it's also your personal brand. And so looking at your values and the things that you want, and the things that you resonate with. So what ends up happening is like when, you know, so for example, you can be listening to two people, you respect them both. They're both great people. Their values align with yours. Everything hits the mark. But one of them tells you to, to charge for everything you do. And the other person tells you to give everything away for free. And you go, but they're both successful. And I respect them both. And they're both good people. It's like, what do you do? It's like, well, what are your values? And then listen to those people. Don't listen to everybody, right? So then what you start doing is now you listen to those people and they leave little hints about who else to listen to. And, you know, I'm very much about going into, you know, I'll subscribe to a lot of uh, mailing lists. Um, I have the places in the industry that I go to for information, but I scale that down, right? Like I, I go through a bunch of mailing lists that I think are interesting, but then over time, I'll scale that down to like two or three. They give me really concise, clear information for what I need right now to get to where I'm trying to go. I don't need to know everything, right? But I can I can absorb where I can. So I look for inspiration everywhere, but then I curate it to make sense for me. And I hear you also saying that it's important to trust yourself and the journey you're on. Like as you're taking everything in, you still need to be really clear and really secure in what your values are and your priorities, like that connection between personal growth and professional growth, I think is one we don't talk enough about. And that's where the mindset strategy comes in, right? And that, that that's the connection that I, that I make with everybody that I work with. It's inevitable that we're going to get into their mind and their emotions and how things make them feel and their ambitions and, you know, like situations and problems that they always overlap, right? And so that's kind of the no brainer for me. You can't 
you can't focus on one without the other. I think that it's just kind of like a, a blind way forward. Um, and, you know, something you just mentioned right now is interesting. It's like, you know, when people talk about intuition and, you know, understanding that and a lot of people are like, well, how do you build intuition? Like what, you know, what, how do you get there? And it's through experience. Right. Experience stacks. And that's how you develop a stronger sense of intuition. Oh, that didn't work that last time. Or, oh, I should have spoken like that. Or, oh, I approached that the wrong way. And then you can use that moving forward. And that's your intuition. So when people are afraid to, to, to learn, like to take the time to learn, when people are afraid to make mistakes, when people think they have to be perfect, well, then, you know, you're not really stacking your intuition. You won't have a level that when you get to that next level, you can count on yourself with because, you know, that's why people say you learn more from your mistakes than your achievements because mistakes create intuition and, and they create a level of like, oh, I can trust myself or oh, I, I learn from that. And, you know, I don't believe in failure. I believe in progress. The, I, the, the only form of failure I believe in is when you completely give up and stop trying, right? Like finite, right? But I think that, you know, looking at, at fa- it's like how do you di- differentiate failure from growth? You can't. That's the very definition of failure is growth. So, like, right. And that's kind of what it comes down to. So like if you've grown, if you've progressed, it doesn't matter if you've taken 10 steps back or two steps forward. I mean, all those cliches really get to my head a little bit. But ultimately, as long as you're moving forward, then you're constantly winning. Do you have a, a top of mind or a favorite kind of personal anecdote case study story of when you've worked with someone and you've seen them really take in part of what you're talking about that made them shift from point A to point B that you can share, like something where you're like, this client I worked with made this change and this is what happened or a favorite client story that you've worked with. Wow, that's that's like going. That's gonna that's gonna take me a second to go through my my, my little Rolodex here. Yeah, yeah. As you're as you're thinking, you know, and I know that's like and no names, but and you know, I'm not asking you to name your favorite child, but you know, there's so much. You know, I get it. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I'll give you a perfect example. So there's this one client that I work with um, a few years ago. And they really stand out because we did some really, really incredible things with them. And when they came to me, they came with a fabric story. They were getting fabrics from Japan and they wanted to make bow ties and ties. And that was it. They just were like, I want to sell these. And I was like, okay, but you know, let's, let's start building that a little bit. Like, you know, who are you trying to sell to? What's the vibe? What are we going for? You know, how are we going to create the, you know, the content for you? What kind of design strategy are we looking in? Not just from today, but like, you know, where are we, where do we want to be in three seasons from now? Right? Like how do we start building towards that without necessarily doing everything at once? And so what we did is we took their product and created it into a full brand structure. We created the content for them. I mean, I, I do a lot of things for a lot of my clients and I work with a lot of people external. But nonetheless, what we ended up doing was we created this brand for them outside of product and we, you know, we designed their customer and we understood their total brand offerings. And in three seasons, we had them um, featured on Hypebeast, Hysnobiety, um, WGSN did, uh, um, did some features on them and we grew it and they were blown away. Like they were they, they had the ambition, but didn't have the, the direction or vision to understand it, right? And so we took them from fabrics and products to a full-blown brand with a really, really great following. It's amazing. 
Yossi, I really appreciate this. We could like go on and on and on. Maybe we'll do a part two. Um, but for people who are interested in learning more about you, signing up for that mailing list, following, where can they find you? Where, where is your content going these days? No problem. Well, you can find me on uh, Instagram or LinkedIn under my name, Yossi Fisher. Um, if you go to my website, yossifisher.com, so it's Y-O-S-S-I, F-I-S-H-E-R.com. Um, and it'll be in the show notes for people. So they'll be able oh, to read right below. It's not the most normal name. So sometimes I got to spell it out. Um, you can go to my website and there's actually a tab for advice and insights. You can go in there and read some features, some, uh, um, some you know, watch some YouTube videos to really just get a lot of free advice and free strategies. You can also sign up to a free strategy, free strategy session with me. So um, everyone at first point, first contact can sign up. It's a free hour with me. It, whether it's your mindset or your business or your brand, we have a full hour to talk about whatever you want. It's not a sales pitch. It's not what I do. I do these things. So I just want to give back and I'm really grateful for the opportunities. So they can go on there and uh, find a lot more information, sign on to my mailing list. Um, you know, ultimately I just want everyone to win and, and I'm, I'm grateful to say I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a position where, um, you know, I can really make that happen. Yasi, what's your favorite piece of advice that you tell people all the time? Your favorite tip? My favorite tip. Okay. Well, I, I, so I have, I actually have a few of them, so I'll give you three cause it's really to break this down. So, um, first and foremost, um, most people don't fail in life because they aim too high and miss, but because they aim too low and hit. I think that's one that's really, really important. Um, two, if you want things in your life to change, you have to change the things in your life. And number three, I believe that coincidence is a word that people use when they're not paying attention. Love it. Yossi, thank you so much for being here today. This has been great. It's been a thrill to talk to you. I appreciate the time. Today was really fun. <laughs> Take care. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I would love to connect with you on social. You can find me at Fashion Talks Pod on Instagram is the best place. If you have a moment to rate and review Fashion Talks on Apple Podcasts, I would so appreciate it. It helps other people find the podcast. A big thank you to CAFA, the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards, uh, the producing partner with Fashion Talks. You can find out more about CAFA and all the other things we've talked about today in the show notes. Until next time, thank you so much for joining me. Bye. Bye.